Hello and welcome to another episode of the Black Sox Triangle, an Arsenal podcast. Uh, I'm Sean. I'll be your host for today's recording. With me this this episode is Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. Once again, because I am in the U.S. and you are in Australia, we are always going to be experiencing opposite seasons. So um, just make me jealous of your weather briefly. Uh, well, I think today was a cozy 28 degrees, which I don't know how much that is in Fahrenheit, to be honest with you. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's actually been pretty nice. Last weekend, though, it was hot. It was probably about 40 degrees, which is about 100, 100 plus Fahrenheit, um, but it's cooled down a little bit. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, 28 sounds nice. I don't know the exact yeah. conversion, but I do know f- once you get in the upper 30s, that's bad um, for me. I'm, I am I don't like the heat. Uh, I do know that we're sitting well below zero in terms of Celsius. I think it was like, I think it's 15 this morning. Uh, Fahrenheit, my dog obviously wanted to take a full walk, even though he has to be you know fully coated because he's a greyhound and they're very... They're very skinny, and yeah. they have no. They have. They don't have a lot of long fur. They don't have a lot of fat. But yet, my dog thinks he's a winter dog, so he loves this. <laughs> Still, well, I think all dogs. All dogs love a walk, don't they? <laughs> Do I think that? Um, I think we're supposed to get some freezing rain tonight, so that should be. It should just be. It should just be wonderful. Yeah. Um, wherever you are listening from, thank you very much for spending some time with us. Uh, if if it's uh, not too much trouble, please give us a like, a subscribe, a review, wherever you get your a five-star review. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but I you know, give us a five-star review. Uh, moves up the algorithm. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, let us know, you know who you are, where you're listening from, and uh, you know we really appreciate your time. And let's go ahead and dive in. We came back from a break. We did some warm weather training spent the week in dubai came out and what you want from that is an absolutely resounding statement kind of win and palace were very obliging uh, we end up with a five nil victory things feel back on track and yet if you follow any sort of Arsenal social media, which I do less now than before, but I still do. There were questions about the performance up until the very end. And I want to get, I want to start by thinking about, first of all, Alex, what you just thought of the overall performance or not even the performance. That's going to be a key word and it's going to mean something very specific, but the overall result, your view of the game, how you felt watching it, and then we'll talk about questions regarding results versus performance. So first, Alex, just give me your impressions. Uh, what were your? How did you feel pregame? Were you nervous? Did you did you feel like this was an how important of a game this was coming off of a some very bad run of results plus the the break, the warm weather training, the reset, mental and physical reset. And just sort of give me your impressions as you were watching the game and how it unfolded. Yeah, I think, to tell you the truth, I think the first half performance was a little lackluster. Um, okay, you know, we scored two goals from set pieces and 
you know, we've been doing that the, the entire season, really. I think I think we're actually leading the league for set-piece goals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so in terms of the actual performance in the first half, it probably left a lot to be desired. And I think if it wasn't for Gabriel's goals, and I'm going to include the second one because I think that he should be allowed, I think that should be his goal. Um, I think, yeah, there would have still, there would have been a, a, a probably a, a bit of a, a, a nervous murmur around the Emirates um, that might have been audible through the TV where I am. Uh, and I just, I, I think, I th- yeah, I think I just, once, once again, I would say our, our set piece ability kind of got us out of trouble a little bit. Um, Obviously, the second half came along and we kind of maybe kicked it up a gear a little more, looked a little bit more comfortable on the ball. Uh, very, I would argue, very, I mean, well, no, not even argue. I think it was pretty clear that the goals we scored were very counter-attacking goals. If you think about Trossard's goal and Martinelli's two goals, they had that sort of counter-attacking feel to it, uh, which begs the question, obviously, we're very much a possession-based team. And not that we didn't have possession, but how we scored the goals um, weren't probably the kind of goals that maybe you would expect us to score. So, yeah, I think, the, you know, whether or not it's a good performance, I mean, yeah, how would you measure that really? Um, I think winning 5-0 was really all that matters. And I think after the run of games that we had, winning was just the main thing. You know, I think whether you walk, run, or swim, you know, bungee jump, whatever, however you get to that destination, um, I think it doesn't really matter. I think we need we needed the win. That's what we needed, and we got it. Are there still things that we need to look at and work on? Absolutely. I, I definitely don't think it's. Um, I don't think the performance made it feel made me feel at least like as if we turned a corner. I think we needed that win just to sort of get that confidence. Um, I think Martinelli scoring a couple of goals was really good um, for his confidence. But yeah, that performance probably still, there's still probably a couple of questions around the performance, but good result in the end. Yeah, definitely. And I think it brings up the question, how petulant is it to talk about performance after a 5-0 win? Well, it feels uh, like... I mean, it feels a <laughs> very special, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. And yet, yeah. it's really all a lot of people can think about. And based on what you've said, I think there's a certain amount of sense that it makes. In other words, if Martinelli doesn't come on and score two stoppage time goals and we win this 3 0 off of two set pieces and one admittedly outstanding counterattack, and we can talk about that because. If there are some questions that were answered, maybe they were around transition because I don't think we've been a particularly great transition and counterattacking team before this game as well. But if Martinelli doesn't come on and score two stoppage time goals, there were almost you know carbon copies of one another. We're talking about this game probably very differently, and I think that the um, the questions over the performance get louder and more relevant, and all of a sudden, two very late goals gloss over a performance that I don't ultimately think we can properly evaluate because we score in the 11th minute. In other words, getting a goal in the 11th minute off a set piece, which by the way, and this is something that everybody's talking about, set piece goals obviously count. And we are obviously very good at them. You're right. We do lead the league in set piece goals. We scored two. We're very dangerous on them. That's not a fluke. 
And I don't, but at the same time, there's a lot of variance within that, right? It's, it, it can potentially be streaky. And I don't know that it's something that you can depend on through a season. Or, well, yeah, I think you can, um... through, you can through a season, but what you can't do then is depend on it game by game. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? We're going to be very yeah. good, and we're going to score a lot of set piece goals. But you can't say, "Oh, this game, we're going to score some set piece goals, and that's going to bail us out." Yeah, because because ideally, you want your you know your strikers and your wingers and your your front line to be scoring the goals. That's ultimately what you know. That's what that's their job. Their job. Their job is to be the ones that score the goals, not our defenders on set pieces. It's a nice thing to have, and it's a good, I guess you could argue, option. You know, especially when you're versing certain teams that might not be as physically dominant. You know, it's it's a very good option. But yeah, you're right. You're right. It doesn't want to be something you depend on. And I, and I feel Arsenal this season we have to we have very much depended on set piece goals. And I don't think that you know if you want to win league titles or at least compete for league titles, it's probably not ideal that you're just relying on set piece goals. You know, they're good. They're good to have, but. You really, you shouldn't probably be relying on them. No, 100%. But at the same time, getting that goal in the 11th minute really changes, I think, the way that we should be thinking about the overall performance. Because I don't know how much you can tell about what our performance would have continued to look like at nil-nil, but it automatically changes a bit going up one nil and so it's difficult i think to even say you know because you you don't know what the performance is going to look like we don't score in the 11th minute do we go on and start to you know put those pieces together maybe we score an open play goal in the 15th minute or something we don't know how that would have turned out so instead what we can look at is was there anything that stood out to you in terms of changing what we looked like in possession in that first half in other words were we doing the same things we're a very patient build up trying to break down a low block i personally thought i saw a few more attempts at line breaking passes and through balls maybe going a little more a little longer a little more direct at times i think that we tried to maybe work in a little more variety there it didn't always come off Obviously, because we didn't look, we didn't look like we were playing, you know, at our free, free, free flowing best. As I accidentally set myself on a tongue twister, but did were there things that you noticed that you said, okay, this looks like something that maybe they worked on in Dubai, and now we're trying those things out. I think, I think there was there was probably a little bit more urgency. I think when we were getting into the final third. Um, I did see Saka, I can't remember how many times, maybe it was two, three, four times, where he would get to the, the byline and he would cross it immediately. You know, and there were, I feel like maybe before this this break that we've had, he, he might have cut back inside and looked for Odegaard or Ben White. Um, so maybe that is, that's something that they worked on, maybe to try and be a bit more unpredictable. Um, uh, you know, I think we mentioned in a previous podcast, we have kind of looked predictable um, in certain parts of the season, maybe even the whole season so far. So I think 
maybe that was something that's been discussed with the coaches, Arteta and his coaching staff with the players say, look, you know, you want to pass it back to Ben White, pass it back to Odegaard, Bukayo, sure, no worries, but don't do it every single time. You know, run to the byline, cross the ball in, because you never know. If the ball hits a defender and ricochets in, it's still a goal. So, uh, you know, it, it. I mean, although I, I felt like the the first half performance, there was still some stretches of it where I didn't really, I didn't think that we looked hugely different in attack. Um, I, I do agree that that 11th minute goal probably did change that a little bit, maybe because we scored so early on. Um, that could have also maybe given the team a bit more freedom. Maybe they just thought, okay, cool, let's just try and do some other different bits and pieces here. Um, but yeah, there, there, there was, I guess, probably maybe a, a sense of more urgency, but also maybe unpredictability, or at least, at least the attempt to try and be a little bit less predictable. Um, but yeah, what, what you're saying as well around that 11th minute goal, because it was so early on, it's very hard to kind of tell whether that was the catalyst that, that sort of, I guess, maybe, you know, that sigh that gave us that sigh of relief where the team all of a sudden felt a bit more relaxed and therefore they were trying different things, being a bit less predictable because they weren't under that pressure. Did that have the effect or was it a case of, no, we were going to do this all along? Only, only the players and the, the coaching staff probably know that. Um, so, yeah, I mean... It, it's it's yeah that's a hard that's a hard thing to answer really I'm not sure I I, I don't uh, it, yes and no how's that for an answer <laughs> perfect perfect <laughs> but I think there's an interesting debate to be had there probably by somebody smarter than me about this but it has to do with this question of predictability can you well let me ask you this are City and Liverpool fairly predictable. Do you have a pretty good sense of how they're going to play going into a game against them? Uh, mm. I think you Liverpool, Liverpool, yes. Liverpool, yes. Man City, there are times when I watch Man City and I feel like, okay, they've moved away from... Like, so there's sometimes when I watch uh, yeah, Man City under Pep and I, and I do feel like they move away from what, they're, what they usually do. It's almost like for them, depending on the team... They can sort of, if they need to just go straight to a target man, quick counter attacking kind of stuff, they can do it. But more often than not, they don't. So I guess, I guess you could argue probably not really. But I think with, with, with Liverpool, I think they're very predictable. And I think the thing that Liverpool have is they've just got such clinical finishes that you can't stop what they're doing. Like, you know what they're going to do. <laughs> but it's like they're basically saying, we're too good. Like, you're not going to stop us from doing what we need to do. Um, Yes, you're probably right. You're probably right when you say, "Look, are all these other teams predictable?" Yeah, they are. They are predictable. But could you also argue that maybe they have slightly better quality than we do? I think maybe. But that brings me to my point: are there are there two ways to go about this? In other words, can and and have we established what our identity is going to be in that sense? So when you go to Dubai and you train, for example. Are you, are they training plans B, C, and D? Or is the goal to become so good at what you do that the predictability doesn't matter? 
in other words, when, when I look at when I look at you know teams like Liverpool and City, I, I think that they could for most teams they could go and tell you exactly what the plan is and they do it so well that it doesn't matter. And so ultimately I'm not sure what the identity of this team is going to be. Is this team going to be, we can attack you in a number of different ways and you're not going to be sure what we do on a game by game basis or a minute by minute basis, or is the goal to, to say, we're going to do this whatever this is, right? And we've seen kind of what this is. We're going to be a possession-based team. We're going to control. We're going to constrict. You know, we're going to squeeze the life out of you. Is the goal then to become so good at that, it doesn't really matter if you know what's coming. You could watch video on Arsenal all day, every day, and see the same things over and over again, and none of that will help you counter it because they're so good at it. I'm not sure what the goal of this team is to ultimately be. And I don't think this game really told us much because of how it played out but there are some i mean and we could so the last thing i have here in 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 my sort of talking points for you know the overall thoughts on the game is somewhere between none and all of them how many questions do you feel got answered by this game on a scale of zero you know none of the questions that i have about this team got answered Versus every single question I had about this team got answered. <laughs> and not that you should be able to answer a bunch of questions decisively off of one game, but you kind of get what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I mean, once again, that's a good question. How many? Oh. Um, that's why we should. That's why we typically have want to have more people on here than just a pair. But you and I were the only ones available today. I like to yeah. ask questions. I'm not always great at answering them. Well, you look. I mean. I think it, it also depends on what what question you, you're trying to get the answer to. I mean, in terms of our ability to still, I guess, retain possession um, and have you know a, a decent hold of the game or, or control of the game, um, you know, I think those questions are you know are still being answered. I still think that's the kind of team that we want to be. Um, but I think in terms of our finishing still at the at the front, you know, uh, and and how and how we ultimately score with that possession, I still think maybe we haven't answered enough questions in, in that regard. I think, you know, there's still some of the performances within our front line need to get better. Um, so maybe you could probably, if it's out of ten, maybe you could say it's a five out of ten. I think maybe half the questions have been answered. Um, maybe you can push it up to a six on the basis that okay, we um, we you know we still managed to score some you know obviously five goals, which is very good. Um, the fact that we scored them from set pieces, which we you know the number one team in doing, so that question is still getting answered. But yeah, I think I think for me probably a five out of ten is probably you know there. Are, questions that have been answered, but I think there's probably been other questions that have been raised, maybe. <laughs> so you could maybe even say it's zero. <laughs> so we've answered some questions, but we've, but we've also created more questions. So it's like, well, we now have more questions than what we started with. Because, you know, I'm looking at some of the the players. Um, I think, I'll be honest, I thought Virginia was really good when he came on. You know, I thought ESR when he came on looked really good. You know, so then more questions have been ans- asked, you know, do we continue starting habits? You know, uh, I'm sure we'll get into a bit, into that a bit more. But you know, 
yeah. <laughs> more questions. Yeah, I do. I do want to get into that. So let's go ahead and we can uh, go ahead and start with the lineup. Uh, I don't think there were too many surprises. I was a little surprised that Martinelli didn't start. Um, I think later we learned that he was sort of deemed not quite fit enough to start. Um, but I think for me, that was probably the only surprise. Anything from you that, that you kind of raised your eyebrow? At? No, no, that, that, that was, that was the only really surprise, but yeah, if he's not fit enough, um, then yeah, that is, is what it is. He has to come off the bench. Uh, I thought, I thought the team, the way the team started, I thought, yeah, that was going to be the starting eleven. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I certainly didn't know that at the time, so it made me raise an eyebrow or two. I only have two, but I, I did sort of think about it at the time if if there was something going on there. But um, I think, yeah, if you say it can't give you seventy, but he can give you thirty, then then I don't think there were any surprises there. Uh, so getting into the actual game, uh, again, you score in the eleventh minute. That's a great start. Uh, Walk us through the goal a little bit. Anything about that stand out to you? Anything that you saw that 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 made you especially happy? Uh, was that? Yeah, that was the one that Declan Rice took the corner kick from, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, which was interesting. That you you saw Trissard go over there, and you didn't think anything of it because he typically takes them from that side. But then he sets it and starts running away, and then Declan Rice comes over to take it. What did you think in those moments? Um, I, I, in the moment, I didn't like it because, you know, Declan Rice obviously has, you know, very good height and I think, well, you know, he should probably be in the box. You know, he's another, he's another target in the box when you add Saliba and Gabriel and, you know, it's like, we've well, got some decent height in there. And then obviously when Tommy Asu plays Ben White, so it's like Kai Havertz, <laughs> you know, he's got these really thought players. You think, no, 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 get in the box, but uh, you know, credit to him. He, that was a very good delivery. And I think that's ultimately, or at least probably, why he took the corner kick <laughs> because he's actually, you know, he's a good player. Who would have thought? 105 million pounds. Get you a good player these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those things where I was a bit like, oh, no, no, what's going on here, you know? Get, get in the box, but good delivery. And, you know, really the way Gabriel attacked it, I mean, we've seen him do this before. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier. He's just... And actually, you know, it's 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 very much in his game. You know, he, he's he's a goal scoring centre back. He did that. He, I think he scored what six goals last season for us. Um, so yeah, he's definitely got that in his locker to be that sort of set piece corner option, um, almost in that sort of John Terry kind of mold. So yeah, uh, I thought it was a good goal. Like I said, we've been good on set pieces all season. It's probably one of our best traits this season at the moment, if we're being honest. So yeah, um, business as usual. Yeah, I think I think Gabriel. I, I read somewhere that Gabriel is the highest scoring defender since signing for Arsenal in Europe, maybe the world. But I'm not. I, I'm pretty sure he's the highest scoring uh, defender in Europe since his arrival, or maybe it was just center backs. Anyway, you're right. He's done. He's done that. He's been very good at it. Thirty um, seventh minute, another. I called this one a crafty header as opposed to a towering header. It goes off of Dean Henderson and, and is officially an own goal. You mentioned earlier that you, you're going to count that as Gabriel's goal. I think I am too. That spiritually is Gabby's goal as well. Um, and then that one from a delivery from Saka, 
I did want to say, I know that it was a little strange watching Declan Rice take that one in the 11th minute, but I was actually kind of relieved because I think a lot of Arsenal fans have not been, as much as we like Trissard, have not been especially enamored with his set-piece delivery and his, and his corners in particular. So many times we've seen him not beat the first man on the near post, and, and that's obviously one of the most frustrating things about corners. So maybe it was a little different that that – it was Rice who took it, but I, for one, was very relieved to see that it was somebody besides Trissard. Yeah, and that's probably a fair. That's probably a fair argument. Um, yeah, I guess it's six and one half a dozen the other. Really, you kind of, you obviously, Declan Rice is a quality player, so you know he's going to probably be able to deliver that ball almost with pinpoint accuracy. Uh, but then, obviously, you know that means you're going to lose a little bit of height in in the box. So. You know, I can only assume that uh, the set-piece coach and the team worked on that and they realized – And Matt, I think there was a picture actually whilst they were in um, the Middle East. I think they were there, Dubai, I think they were in, yeah. um, where Declan Rice was taking, I think, corner kicks or he was taking set-piece kicks. So they were obviously working on something. Um, and I guess, yeah, it worked. And I, I think – and listen – we all know Declan Rice's quality, and I'm not surprised that he can put a good ball into the box. It doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, and if, look, if, if if he keeps doing that, and then that's I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. If you keep doing that, then that's cool. You can keep stay on, stay on the corner kicks. I'm happy to lose that little bit of height if you can keep doing that. Um, on the second goal, yeah, look, I'm, I don't know what what's with you know taking these goals away when. You know, it's just it, it's so bizarre. Like, okay, now that's an own goal. It's like, well, is it really though? Uh, it seemed like it was on target. It might have been hitting the the post, but uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just yeah, it's annoying. And, and look, and I just want to add, you know, I think Gabriel is a player. Um, he's just he's a very underrated player, not only by opposition fans, but also by even our own fans, even Arsenal fans. Um, ever since he's come into the team. At the beginning, he had a bit of a, you know, he had performances sometimes that you think, oh, man, he's got, he's got that, you know, he had, he, had, he had that error in him, you know, the, those really costly errors in him. But he, he, the past season and a half, he seems to have eradicated it. And he, he just, he looks an absolute monster of a defender. And I know everyone talks about William Saliba. And look, that's rightly so. He's a fantastic defender, William Saliba. But Gabriel... Um, I just think he's very underrated from a lot of football fans. Uh, for me, he's probably easily what like a 70, 80 million pound defender. Like he's, he's that good. Yeah. And it's really easy to get overshadowed by Saliba who does a lot of, you know, kind of the flashier things on the ball uh, who maybe has some of that recovery speed. Some of the things that may stand out a little bit more on a highlight reel. Uh, but I think you're hundred percent right. Gabriel is, is, is a rock. You know, he's steady, but steady. And in, in, like you said, before he did have a mistake in him, he got a little fired up at times. His emotions may have gotten the better of him. He has really matured quickly because, again, young for a center back still, just like Saliba, although Saliba is a little bit younger. But what they've done then is develop a partnership. And I'm not sure that you can take one away from the other and either one of them look as good as they look together. Obviously, there's a synergy involved there. But I think that you're right. Saliba does some some of the things that are a little flashier. Uh, 
but I think Gabriel's absolutely essential to what we've been doing defensively. And talk, we talked a little bit about performance, and obviously the performance, when we talk about it, so often what we're really talking about is chance creation and goal scoring, and can you you know score highlight real goals? Can you you know create chance upon chance upon chance upon chance? But the other side of the flip side of performance, and the one that we haven't had that much trouble with, has been chance limitation. And in this game, we were absolutely outstanding. Crystal Palace created less than or right around a third of an expected goal, depending on uh, who you're looking at. And I never really felt that we were under that much pressure. There was obviously there was the chance uh, where Raya got a little rushed on a clearance and sort of kicked it directly to, I can't remember now, was it Lerma? Who ends up taking the quick uh, yeah, shot? I can't remember. Ryan makes, I can't the, remember but Ryan makes the quick. I, mean, I know, but he makes an unbelievable save from it. Makes a very good save. Yeah. yeah. And I, I will not, I will not put that on Raya. The pass to him put him yeah. in a really. He was really past the ball under pressure. Like, yeah. You know, he didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Uh, so he, he bails himself out a little bit there, uh, but defensively, that that was probably Palace's best chance right there. Defensively, again, this team has that ability to suppress not just shots, but pressure and chance creation as well. And I, as much as I may have watched this game and may have wanted up until the end a little more offensive output in terms of who was doing the outputting, right? You, you're right. You want... When you judge an offensive performance, it changes depending on how the goals are scored and who's scoring them. And up until stoppage time, you kind of were like, oh, I would really want a little bit more from my forwards. You want to see Sack on the score sheet. You want to see Jesus on the score sheet, right? But what we did defensively, I think, is is worth noting because that's really been where this team has kind of shined this season. One of the best defensive teams uh, in the Premier League. And so, and, and a lot of that obviously has to do with that center back combination, that pairing uh, of Gabriel and William Saliba. I think they're both essential to what this team is trying to do. And it would be difficult to put a price tag on them, but you would want, you'd probably want a half a billion for the pair, I think, if you wanted both of them. I think they should probably <laughs> yeah. go together. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so going, yeah, going to halftime, a 2-0 lead, I'm feeling pretty comfortable, if only because I'm, I may not love the offensive performance up to halftime, but even in the second, going into the second half, you're like, I, it didn't feel like Palace was going to do anything. No, it didn't. And, you, yeah, look, this we saw in the game with the Palace fans putting up their sign about the direction of their club. Clearly, clearly there's, you know, underlying issues at Crystal Palace. Um, under Whether that's under Roy Hodgson, or probably it's Roy Hodgson and probably the ownership as well, Steve Parrish. Um, but, yeah, it, it just it had that feeling. It had that feeling of Palace aren't going to do anything here. And I, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's because of that is because they lack quality. I don't think it is. I think they actually have some very good players. Um, I think it's just there's so much going on in and around that club. I think the atmosphere at Crystal Palace right now is very, very 
uh, low. Um, the morale is low. And I think that ultimately, I mean, listen, that, that obviously is going to have an effect on the performances of the players and the team in general. So I think that probably played a bigger part than maybe a lot of Arsenal fans would care to admit because it was a 5-0 performance. But, <laughs> yeah, they, they do, they did, they look at, they, they looked a bit toothless for sure, um, which is strange because they are they they have enough quality to cause some of the best teams' issues, and which they have uh, in at least earlier in the season and last season. But yeah, it's just you can tell the the club as a whole was just sort of down in the dumps at the moment. Well, even their best case scenario, right? They're a mid-table club dealing with some injuries and some absences from Afcon, so they're depleted in multiple ways and at their best they're not going to be as talented as your top end team so once you stack all of those conditions on one another but though the the issues that the fans have obviously go deeper than injury crisis plus afcon absences right they they obviously felt like this that team was is was underperforming and there's some long term uh, angst going on with that but the we should really talk about the second half and the reason that the banner had to be unfurled and that was a second half performance from arsenal that was fun frankly this was the fun that i think we were missing and yeah it's great to score set piece goals and they're they're wonderful i love you know gabby just you know monstering defenders to get over them to to put home the bullet headers Maybe the second one, maybe a little more crafty than towering, but that's okay. <clears throat> what we got in the second half was a performance of the team that really started, that looked like they were starting to get their confidence and their mojo back. So um, do you want to walk us through the Trissard goal a little bit or just talk well, I mean, about it? Yeah, look, I'm happy to talk about that because that was a, that was a great goal. I mean, I, you know, I do miss uh, that that it felt like a goal from last season almost. You know, just that um, that quick that speed of attack that we had last season. I mean, it was literally what was it? Three passes. You know, Raya gets the ball, runs out to the edge of his box, throws a perfect, perfect pass to Jesus, and. He, he just, yeah, crosses it off, um, slides it across to Trossard, and Trossard cuts back and kicks it in, to, and it's 3-0. And you just think, wow, you know, that it just, yeah, like I mentioned, it just, it just felt like one of the goals that we would have scored last season. Um, and and I, I loved it. I, I thought it was really clinical, and it was. I mean, you think about it, just three passes and the ball's in the back of the net. That's the kind of clinical – that's the kind of goal that Liverpool would score, you know? Had that feeling about it, like that. That's you know, that's like a Liverpool kind of goal where it's a couple of passes, it's in the goal, you know. Well, getting up two nil will help you do that because at that point, it becomes very difficult for a team like Palace to justify sitting in a low block and waiting for Arsenal to come on them. I mean, you get that's that's the beauty of getting a couple of goals up is that those spaces start to open. And you can see the three goals that, that Arsenal scored in the second half were all of that counterattacking transition variety, which, by the way, is another area that I thought 
for the first half of the season, this team wasn't particularly good at. It seemed like we weren't that the the, the players weren't necessarily willing to do the quick transition or weren't doing well enough and, and being clinical enough with those quick transitions and the counterattacks. It didn't feel like Arsenal got enough enough of those type of goals. So scoring three in this game, I thought was great. You're right. My, maybe my favorite part of that goal is the Raya throw. And I know that, you know, keepers are supposed to be able to do that. But to be on the same page, if you watch the replay, there's an angle that as soon as Raya gets it, the forwards start to take off. There was no, like that may have been, maybe that was something that happened in Dubai as well about trying to create quick transitions from some of the things that Raya does well, like, you know, his distribution. And he did those uh, a couple times during that game, which I thought looked really nice. But that one, obviously everyone was on the same page. And I think for, to score those counterattacking transition goals, the quick, you know, the one, two passes and in the net, your forwards have to be on the same page. And too many times when we talk about things like, oh, the, you know, the team controlled the game, but the final ball wasn't there, or giving away sloppy pass, you know, sloppy passes and sloppy turnovers in, in the midfield. It has often felt like this team wasn't mentally connected to one another. Sometimes I would look at and watch the games and say, it feels like these guys have never played together. But on this yeah. goal in particular, I think you saw everyone on the same page and everyone doing the same things and really felt like working from the same script for once. Too many times I felt like everybody was working from their own improvisational script. And this one felt like everyone had the same script and knew their part. And I think that it's yeah. one of my favorite goals uh, that I've seen this team score recently. Yeah, I think I do also love, yeah. by the way, uh, Trossard sort of tricking us with his first touch and making us think that he was going to give up the chance. But instead, he puts Klein on his backside, and then he's just yeah. got it. He's just got it, the entire goal to work with. Yeah, no, that that was brilliant. That that's the that reminded me of the Jesus goal against United. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, I agree, I agree with everything you're saying, and I think. You know, one of the things that I remember seeing throughout the first half of the season is that players will be making runs in behind opposition defences and no one picking them out and, and putting that through ball. Uh, and it, it there seemed to be, especially in those last three goals, obviously, there seemed to be a bit more of that, you know, you, the, the getting the head up and looking forward. Okay, how do I, is, it, is there a player that's, you know, there that I can, that can break that, I can break the line, put a breaking line pass through and find someone and it, it kind of felt like that um whether it was david raya i think even in ketio i think for the fifth goal i think it might have been you know he looked up put the ball uh through to martinelli martinelli went through and scored so yeah it, we looked slightly more connected up front and you know like you said was that something they worked on in dubai hopefully <laughs> i mean you hope that this is something that we're going to see more of um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. We, we, there seemed to be, it felt like there was a bit more connect connectivity between the players, especially in that front three, in that second half, the second half, it looked a little bit, it, there was a little bit more of that. Um, 
and we and we need more of that. We need we need more of those line breaking passes. I mentioned, I think it was the last podcast about how we miss Partey because of his ability to make those line breaking passes. You know, he he, he get, gets up he, on the half turn, gets the ball, looks up and pings a ball that just sort of cuts out like four of the opposition players, and you think, oh. Like all of a sudden, the whole dynamic, and you can just see in real time the whole dynamic of the game change, because it's just like that that pass has completely broken the structure of the opposition, because they're like, oh, hang on a minute, now we're all out of position. So we need that. Yeah. We need we need more of that. We do. This team definitely needs more of that. We as fans need to see more of that. Um, at three nil, the outcome of the game really no longer in doubt. I don't think it was really in much doubt at 2-0. I feel like Palace could still be playing at this point and not have scored. Uh, but we get what this gives Mikel Arteta an opportunity to do is give some subs some real time. Not, not time-wasting subs toward the end, but so the first subs come on the 69th minute. Uh, Martinelli comes on for Trissard. Uh, ESR comes on for Kai Havertz. And Jorginho comes on for Declan Rice in the 73rd minute. Um, we can talk about that specific sub here in a minute. So we'll talk about the, the Martinelli and Smith-Rowe subs. They get ultimately uh, almost, you know, getting close to 30 minutes rather than 5, 10 kind of minutes. Talk about we'll, – we'll, we'll get to Martinelli. Well, maybe we get to Martinelli first. Obviously, his cameo ends up being really, really good. Uh, but I have seen people talk about, and I think if you if you go back and watch, you'll notice this. Gabby might not. Gabby Martinelli might not have. We might be seeing it a very different Martinelli tune without the goals. Some of the things that had sort of crept into his game seemed like they were still kind of in his game in this one. So. Gabby runs to the byline and tries to cut back or he overruns the byline uh, and ends up giving away a goal kick. There was a little bit of that there, but ultimately his, his speed, quickness, and alertness sort of pay off. So how do we assess the Martinelli performance? You can't say assess the Martinelli performance without the two goals, but if those goals don't happen, how are we thinking a little bit differently about Martinelli? Or are we? Were you, were you pleased with the performance up to stoppage time. Uh, yeah. Look, I think, I think Martin. Yeah, I, I agree in terms of Martin Martinelli. He looked kind of the same. Um, but I guess the question is, do we? Is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, I think for me, I like I like his driving runs to the byline. I like the fact that you know he he tries to get past his man. And sometimes even two, depending on if he's doubled up against. Um, I just think there are, are times when the quality of his finish and the quality of what he's trying to do, and maybe, and maybe I guess his decision making on occasion isn't isn't necessarily the correct decision. So, you know, I felt like in this game he probably made better decisions when he was on the ball, um, and maybe that is something he worked on in Dubai, but. Those two goals, uh, I thought, you know, the way he sort of got in behind and took those chances, it he looked like a player who was maybe a bit more mentally refreshed. You know, he just 
the, the sort of slot, the, the slot, slotting around the keeper was a very calm and, and calculated and obviously, you know, the correct decision or at least, you know, the decision making was sort of, it all lined up. And I think in that, those little 20 minutes, I, I, I felt, you know what, he looks, he looks a bit more clear minded. I, I think maybe he might've been overthinking it a bit more, uh, the first half of the season. So maybe he's had a chat with Arteta or one of the coaches, coaching staff, and they've said, listen, you just got to simplify it, man. What you were doing last season was enough. You don't have to try and take on the world. Just every now and again, look, get your head up, look, make certain decisions at certain key moments, um, and maybe just, or maybe even just allow your instincts to sort of take over. Because that's what it kind of felt like, actually. That's probably actually a better way to describe it. It felt like his instincts were more at the forefront. Whilst I think I feel like before the Dubai break, it felt like, it just it it felt like he was overthinking it a little bit. Perhaps so, but we saw what makes Martinelli such a dangerous player when he gets behind and is running into space it feels like he's going to score every time. And both of those finishes uh, really, really brought to mind some of the best of what Martinelli can bring to the table. And I, I really appreciate seeing them both. I don't think I had finished celebrating the first one when he scored the second one. I I sort of I sort of put my eyes back on the screen. I thought they were showing another replay of it, but it was really just the, the second one of those goals. <laughs> it, it did feel like that, didn't it? You watch it, oh, those- that's a replay. And then you see it goes to five, and you're like, "Oh, hang on, no, it's another goal." <laughs> what? <laughs> those right finish, those right-footed finishes off the left side. Um, it's it's aesthetically, it's just really, really pretty to just watch him mm. curl those just inside the inside the post. Uh, so, second half transitioned extremely well. Score three goals off of counters and transitions. That part of our game, maybe there were some questions answered with regards to that still not sure what we're going to be like trying to break down a low block, what we're going to try to do, how we're, you know, what are we going to do with 10 behind the ball, which is, again, it's what this team is going to see in most games. I think that any team that comes out against us and tries to play against them is not, it's not going to, well, Arsenal will score goals against any team that tries to come out on them. That much seems certain. This team may may be one of the best in the world when, uh, you know, they're playing against teams that are trying to actually play football against them. I think that may be, that may be what this, this team is best at. Unfortunately, there are a lot of teams that aren't too proud to just sit back and, and counteract against that against those abilities so we'll see we do we'll have to see going forward you know sort of what happens when you don't get an 11th minute goal because you're not going to every time what happens when you don't get set piece goals because you're not going to every time uh i just wanted to ask you real quick about any other standouts you saw amongst uh players amongst the subs sort of who do you think benefited the most from getting away having a little bit of time off, uh, getting out of the English winter and just sort of, yeah. who do you feel like looked in your mind the most refreshed? Well, I think 
a player that I think um, we kind of saw what they bring to the table, a very sort of uh, ridiculed player, I think Sinchenko, you know, his ability to break the lines with his passing. Um, yeah, he, he you, you could kind of see the difference with him and the team. You know, he's got he's got such a key a key eye to sort of just you know pinging like a 30, 40 eye pass um, from midfield. Uh, so I think, not you know, I think we should just give him a mention. Um, I'm not saying he was fantastic, but he. You could see the difference in terms of our attacking prowess uh, in that attacking transition. We definitely look at a, a much more, a much more uh, flowing attack in, in in attack with him in the team. Um, and I think ESR when he came on for the you know the last twenty twenty five minutes, I thought he looked really good. I think I, I would love to see him get more minutes. I really, I think I've. For me, if he's fit enough, I would start him ahead of Havertz. I really would. I think he could be an incredible number eight for us. I just, I think he's got so much ability. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I beg, I beg Arteta to just play this kid a little more, have a bit more faith, because I just think he's so good. He's such an unbelievable young, talented player. Um, anyone else? I mean, look, you, you know, you had your. Odegaard did his usual thing, ran around like a headless truck. I mean, this guy, he just, yeah. It was, I wouldn't say it was a captain's performance per se, but he just, he wears the armband with pride and he puts in an effort. You know, was he probably, was he one of our best performers? Probably not, but he just, he, he runs his socks off for you. He, he makes that effort. And so it's, you can't really be upset at him because, okay, fine, he didn't do much necessarily. But because you worked hard, you can say, okay, you know, that's that's what that, that, that's the minimum. You just got to work hard. If you're just, you know, lounging around, not acceptable. But if you work hard and you don't do anything else, at least we can say, okay, we well, at least you put the effort in. Ben White as well. I've got to mention Ben White. I think Ben White looked almost back to his best. Um, I think that break did him probably some something really good. Obviously, the the hot Dubai sun. Must have healed his leg or his hamstring or something because he looked, yeah, he looked back to what he, he looked more mobile. He looked, he, looked, he just looked more fit, really. I mean, I think that's probably it. He just looked, looked like he was actually fit for a change. So yeah, yeah got, got to mention. Conversation. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. He looked fantastic. Yeah, for people who benefited the most from getting away, I think Ben White is probably at or close to the top of that list. The team had said he had been carrying a knock. It looked like he had been carrying something. And now he looks healed. He looked much better, I think, defensively in this one. I didn't feel you, you got back to where you could felt like you could trust him. It had gotten to where, you know, if if you saw a winger getting into a one-on-one situation with, with Ben White, it was it was starting to be a little bit nerve-wracking. And I think he went did did a lot today to calm some of those fears. And by the end of the game, I felt a little, a lot, actually a lot more comfortable just sort of watching him in those situations. I felt like he was able to get back. His recovery speed looked better. Uh, his, his feet looked quicker. He looked a lot more comfortable. So yeah, I think Ben White is definitely good for a shout. ESR, I, I thought he looked great. 
I, I don't think there's any question about his on the ball work. I am. I do have questions of whether he can ha- would have enough defensive responsibility to play as an eight, especially on the left side where you've already got Zinchenko, who sometimes um, abandons that sort of left back role. Obviously, you, sometimes you'll see Zinchenko see him a lot in the middle. Occasionally, you see him on the right, just sort of you know roaming around looking for the ball and looking for things to do with it. I do wonder if ESR is able to to take some of that defensive responsibility from the left eight position. By the way, that's not me saying I don't think he can. That's me saying I'm not sure that we've seen it. Um, and, and maybe maybe that's part of what has been happening with his transition in terms of getting him back. Maybe it's not just about the fitness, which it's always about fitness with Smith Rowe, but maybe it's not just about the fitness. Maybe he has been sort of relearning parts of the game in the way that, that Mikel wants him to. And maybe that just takes a little longer than we might expect. And maybe we would, maybe we sort of should expect to see him a little bit more. Mikel Arteta has been talking a lot about, how well he's been training and how good he's looking and and he that he's fit and that he's firing and that he's ready. And this game, maybe more than any recently, I think bears some of that out. And I think that you're right, that that's the position to be won. No one, Kai Havertz is good. There's no question about that. I don't think he's been that convincing in that role. And so there is, there's some time there to be won, I think. But yeah, as far as yeah, as, yeah. as just sort of Dubai, Dubai benefiting standouts. I think White and and Smith Rowe looked, looked really nice. Obviously, Martinelli had been way out of goal scoring form. He comes in and gets a pair. I, I I really hope that this kick starts him for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and I hope so too. I hope he um, kicks on for sure. Although having said that, Trossard did score as well. So you know, um, and it was a pretty good goal too, and it was a very calm goal. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but um, look, if Martinelli comes off the bench and ke- if he keeps coming off the bench and doing that, then maybe maybe that's a good tactic from from Arteta, you know? And you just leave Martinelli on the bench, have him come on the last twenty minutes when the defense has been run ragged, and say, okay, yeah, cool, put up with this. <laughs> yeah, let's see what can you, you can imagine? do against. Can <laughs> let's see what you can do against right this back? kid. Yeah, God. Oh no, man, that's got to be the that would be the that have to be the worst. Is that you you know you go in and you're playing a game, you know you're 70 minutes in, the left winger's already scored by the way, and then and then he goes off. And you're like, oh great, Trissard's gone off. He's already got you know he's already got one, and and then you see who's coming on, and you're just like, maybe I can, maybe I've pulled something, maybe maybe yeah. I can tweak something in the next few minutes to get off. I can't imagine uh, any right back that that really wants anything uh, to do with a fresh Martinelli coming on in the 65th, 70th, 75th minute. Yeah. Sorry, I agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, before we close, um, it wouldn't be an Arsenal victory without, uh, well, it wouldn't be a silver lining without a little bit of cloud. So uh, let's talk a little bit in terms of injuries. We talked about how Declan Rice went off in the 73rd minute, uh, seemed to be mouthing something about a hamstring I think uh, the lip reading experts among us, you know, said hammy, hammy. Um, 
any concerns there? It didn't, he didn't go down into the tunnel right away, stayed on the bench. Uh, it didn't look particularly – I mean, he was able to jog off. I didn't notice, I didn't notice any uh, noticeable limp or anything. So any particular concerns for you f- uh, on that one? Not really. I think um... – yeah, I think Arteta even came out and said, look, it's basically a precaution. He said he felt something, so they took him off just to be safe. I, I think maybe just a bit of fatigue. I, I, don't, I don't think it should be an issue. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not concerned, at least not yet. <laughs> right. We'll wait, we'll wait to see what the training pictures look like uh, later yeah, this week. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You never know with Arteta. That's the thing. Like... He, when it comes to injuries, like it's just he's so hard to predict. He'll say, "Oh, look, he's out for months," you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, Jesus is back the next game. You think, "Wait a minute, what?" You just said that he was going to be out. So it's one of those things where, oh, if if I tell us saying that it's not a huge issue, I don't I don't think he would make that up for any reason. But we'll wait and see. Let's. I mean, look, I think it's eleven days between games. I think it is because the twentieth of. Jan was the Crystal Palace game, and then Forrest is what, 31st? So that's uh, yeah, it's 11 days. Oh, was the 30th? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's a long time in between drinks. So there's a decent amount of time there for him to maybe just have a rest, and we'll see see what happens. A big Gabby also comes off in this one with uh, a little bit of a knee knock. Um, I haven't heard any real updates on that one either. I don't know if you have any concerns about that one. Yeah, probably the same with Rice. Really, nothing, nothing yet. Um, having said that, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing Kivio play at left centre back. I wouldn't mind just seeing like what happened, you know, what he does, how he does. Um, just curiosity, really. But obviously, you know, if Gabriel's fit, play him because he's that good. But you know, let's let's we got Kivio. Let's it'd be great to see what he can do. In his favoured position, that is not, and not at left back like we you know, threw him under the bus at Buddy Fulham. I'm talking like you know, play him in his actual position, and let's see. Because you know, I remember watching. I think it was for Poland in was it the Euros? I can't remember what tournament it was, but man, he was playing at left centre back, and he was pinging forty yard passes like perfectly to like attack, like to like Lewandowski and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, man, you know. If, that, it's hard to find players that can do that just in midfield, let alone centre back. So, right. you know, let's, it'd be interesting just to see what he could do. But anyway, hopefully Gabriel's fit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's probably not the time of the season to be experimenting. We don't have any no, uh, it's not cup but... games left to experiment with. So, it, it, with any luck, and, and I know this isn't a knock against Kivi or obviously, but with any luck, we're not seeing him in that left centre back position much at yes all this no i agree absolutely i agree um if Gabriel's fit you play him don't get me wrong right um it's just that from what i've seen of kivio at you know for his international team at least um you know I, I think i think we are riding him off a bit too quickly i think he's had a couple of interesting performances and i think as fans we're kind of like oh no he's, he's no good and a lot of people thought that about gabriel you know and yeah. people used to say he has that he has that bozo gene, you know, like where he just does, does something stupid. And now look, so you know, yeah, there were some people who thought that that Gabriel wasn't going to be 
a defender that you keep once you move to the next level. There were definitely people talking about that. And I don't think if there's an Arsenal fan who still thinks that I don't want, I don't want to listen to them about it because I don't, I don't think that there's a reasonable case to be made that that Gabriel is not one of the the best defenders in Europe right now. So definitely true. Uh, Anything else that you wanted to bring up before we close this out? We've got, Nottingham Forest, after the upcoming FA Cup weekend, which we are sadly, very sadly not involved in. Uh, but it does give another 10, 10 days. Maybe they should just head back to Dubai for a couple more. Yeah. Get some more rays. Let Ben White work on his tan. Avoid at all possible the English winter. Yep. Or even the American one, apparently. But um... Well, this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Look, there's nothing really else. I mean, oh, look, oh, what I will say is like there's still nothing really on the transfer front, so it's probably looking like we won't sign anyone. Um, there might be a couple of outgoing Cedric or Nenny. Um, I did mention in the last podcast that it, it might be a case where we sort of gear up for the summer transfer window, where we just get rid of some of the the fringe players and then maybe get some deals in place to sell maybe certain other players and then go big in the summer. It's kind of looking like that. Yeah. This never felt like it was going to be a big January for this team. Once, Well, it felt like it, like a lot of people may have wanted something of a big January, but none of the, none of the news coming out from anybody that you actually trust on a regular basis indicated that this was likely to be an active January for this team. And so I think you're right. I wouldn't mind seeing Cedric go. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing El Nani go either. I mean, they're not going to play a part on a team. They're not going to play a significant part on a team that's actually challenging for anything that we're trying to challenge for. So, uh, probably time for those things to happen. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, Alex, it's been wonderful getting to talk to you about this game. It was such a fun game to watch. It, it was very – it just felt it felt cathartic to actually score goals. And, and I agree that it probably didn't – to a certain extent didn't matter the manner in which they were scored. They just needed to be scored. And given the choice yep. between scoring five goals in the manner that, we've, that they've been scored in this game versus creating loads of chances that the forwards don't seem to be able to finish – I'll take this. Now, I know long-term we want sustainable performances that are going to ultimately lead to more victories, but, man, did this one feel good. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, you just I think it was just about getting that result. And so to win it 5-0, yeah, um, it, it just it just adds that layer of confidence. You know, it, just, it gives the team a little bit more confidence. Uh, and... I, Hopefully you can just sort of build on it as, you know, we are, what, 21 games into the season now. So we've got 17 games left. And if you can, from now until the end of the season, rack up, you know, if we can if we can get another you know, 40 points, you know, we're going to be in the conversation. We might not win it, but we'll definitely be there or thereabouts. I mean, I'm, I don't know if, yeah, if we can get another 40, maybe 40. 42 points, which might be pushing in. Um, 
80 plus, we're definitely going to be in and around. So, you know, if we just got to keep trying to get these results, hopefully this will give us the confidence we need and then we keep pushing on. Absolutely. And we'll be there for all of it. Thank you once again for listening to the Blackstock Triangle and Arsenal podcast. Uh, Alex, it's been wonderful talking to you. I know it's uh, nighttime for you as we record, so uh, go get some sleep. I'm just now starting my day, and I am absolutely buried in work. So, again, thank you very much for listening. Please, please, please uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe, tell a friend, uh, give us a review, a a good five-star review if you don't mind. Uh, But, yeah, word of mouth really counts as well. And if you could, you know, talk about us on social media, talk about us to someone that you – uh, that you talk football with, we'd love to be a part of your, a part of your regular podcast routine. Uh, so I'm Sean. This for Alex. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.